what is up everybody we are back today with another episode of the fetch it podcast with one of my favorite people that i met from bigger pockets conference and one of my favorite people in the world jim Payty. how are you doing today jimbo i'm doing great thanks for having me on guys Absolutely. So, Jim, uh, I met you at uh, the Bigger Pockets conference. That was prior to me being a fellow host camper. And uh, after yeah. I met you and talked with all the uh, some of the other host camp people around, uh, I knew that I had to join. So, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in the real estate world, kind of life before real estate, and then how you transitioned into it? Yeah. Um, you know, funny. I've been a long time i've always wanted to get into real estate but for the longest time it really took me a while because a lot of times you look at long-term rentals and they're making their cash flow in like 100 to 200 dollars a month and i just looked at that and i thought i have to buy so many properties in order to get to a point where i want to be able to quit my job so i put off real estate investing for a long time even though my dad is an investor he's kind of pushed me in that direction for a long time so finally you know, I started to really understand a lot of the tax benefits, depreciation, all the other benefits around it. Plus, I was really intrigued by the industry overall. And so in 2020, really when the pandemic kind of hit, I said, you know what, enough's enough. I'm going to get into this game. So I ended up buying a property in San Antonio. Uh, that was my first flip. Total fail. And uh, But you know, it was a good <laughs> learning lesson. It was, I mean, I still own that property to this day. It technically cash flows, but I have a lot of money still locked up in that property. So I'm oh, trying right. to get, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sell it once I get that property kind of, uh, I guess once interest rates lower and the market kind of comes back up, but it was, just, it was just a total clusterfuck of everything. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, fast forward to today, I own short, two short-term rentals. Now I'm actively looking at um, more properties I'm trying to acquire, um, really focused on short-term rentals, but really want to try to be more, um, what do you call it? efficient with my capital. So trying to do some type of remodel where I can do a value add and take out mm -hmm. a burr. But that's really where I am in, in the real estate world right now. That's, that's, uh, I think I've maybe remember talking about the San Antonio one, one time. And I, I have a similar story. Like my, my LTR is like quickly made me realize like, this is not, this is not the way to do things. Um, do you have, do you have a goal for yourself over the next year in the STR world? Like what, like what's the next step for you in building up your portfolio? Yeah. So I'm really focused on just finding properties where I can do a value add and then they would be, you know, we can, you know, put in unique features, you know, really cool design and anything that we can to really make it stand out. And I'm not necessarily targeting like suburban places, but I'm also not targeting the most, remote places that are like you know out in the woods and stuff like that i'm really kind of still looking for something that is like i really love the midterm rental strategy so i'm really trying to like focus on like proximity to you know hospitals corporate executive offices and stuff like that but adding in a lot more you know flair to it i guess where it's more like a short-term rental and it's got more unique character but i mean the overall goal really is like my wife is still dependent on her W-2. I mean, fortunately she's on maternity leave right now because we just had our newborn son, but in you know a couple of months, she's got to return back to work. So trying to replace that income is our primary focus until we can really just focus on this hundred percent. Nice. Well, to, uh, to fluff the uh, medium term rental idea for you just a little bit, I literally got an email today 
inquiring about the carriage house behind my place that we showed at HostCon, you know, the little brick A-frame looking one. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. that, uh, she is a physician at the Cancer Institute where I used to work at her. She's going to be. And she was asking if she could stay from March until December, which would be almost a $19,000 booking. <laughs> so, Dude, that would be so if there's clutch yeah any if there's any more I'm reason to get into the medium-term rentals the, that that was just an extra little uh enticing i might have to uh have you look at my current midterm we just released a, or you know we just posted um a new property it's a midterm rental i mean short-term and midterm and yeah. i'm really trying to get to that point so i might need you to kind of look at it and give me some pointers Happy to do it, man. Would be happy to do it. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Going off on the, the little me medium term rental tangent, like they're, they're literally one of the easiest properties to manage that you can possibly get. Cause I'm going to be hopefully getting a physician in there. So it should be a, a relatively good human being. One would, one would at least assume they're going to be a reasonable person. They're not going to be some crazy person that's coming there to party. And if they're in there for nine months, they take responsibility of that kind of place. You know, it's basically, it's their home, you know, so they're going to be there. And the only thing that I ever hear from my tenants about is if there's something major going on, I never hear from them about, Oh, I need batteries replaced or, Oh, there's some ants coming into the kitchen or something like that. They, they just take ownership and they start to do those things or a light bulbs burned out. They just yep. they swap it out. And so it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's by far my favorite investing strategy as I'm, as I'm currently in Asheville looking for short-term rentals. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And you know, Asheville is another market I'm looking at as well for short-term rentals. So we should talk about partnering there. The sure. um, short-term rentals are, are great. I mean, obviously with the challenge with midterm rentals is it's still a little bit trickier if you want to use the property. And so mm -hmm. looking in these vacation markets, like, I mean, my wife and I really want to look into something in Colorado and Wyoming, Asheville mm -hmm. as well. I and mean, we'd love to have something on the beach. I mean, eventually we'll have places and all the vacations that we want to go on, mm -hmm. but you know, that's really where short-term rentals are still really the cool thing to do. But I can tell you right now from just having one short-term rental, it's a lot of work. And so when mm -hmm. you get to two, three, four or more, I can, I can really see how you, you need to have just for your sanity, you need help man managing, responding to messages and just dealing with all the things that happen. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, uh, don't have any true short-term rentals. I've kind of done a little bit of short-term rental stuff in between whenever I have a gap for my medium terms. And just that, mm -hmm. like one of the few times that I took like a one week booking, it was uh, a lady that stayed there for a week. She smoked pot in my unit. She was smoking cigarettes in my unit and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, what the heck? This is why I'm doing medium terms. But yeah, I agree that the short-term side of things is definitely going to be uh, a new animal for me to learn, but it can like the the reason why everybody gets into short-term rentals is because the cash flow can just be insane. So if you can yep. have a couple of those being huge cash flow drivers, but then you build a base out of medium term rentals that are easy to manage. Um, I always say I probably spend maybe three or four hours a month. And that's probably being generous on managing my entire portfolio of five uh, medium term rentals. It just takes takes none of my time. It's it's very, very, uh, very hands off. Yeah. And so I've been putting off hiring like a virtual assistant or anything like that. Cause I'm like, I don't know if I'd have enough work for. <laughs> yeah, the short I, get term, that. I totally understand. By the, the way, short -term I, was, side of things. Go ahead. I was just thinking based on that, you're a great person, David, to talk about that because you had university students on the other side, midterm midterm tenants on the other side. You have a really good perspective on what a really bad and a really good tenant is. I almost think from a cash flow perspective, and I would pose this argument to all of us, right? It's either land hack or midterm rental for me. Like it's either land hack it or midterm rental it. Like, you know, yeah. we could talk about that, like open debate. But to be honest, like, why do you want to deal with that party or that that smoked weed screwed screwed up the place? You're going to get bad reviews at the next guest if you don't buy that. Forgot what that aerator machine. It's like five. I don't remember how many thousands of dollars I paid for that thing. 
to get oh, ozo machine you don't you, you shouldn't yeah, have to yeah, pay yeah. too much for that well it was expensive i don't remember how much it yeah. was but it was it was some money to get get that smell out of there you know yeah and uh, yeah. a little nugget for people to like the way that i handled the smoking situation um i have a really really good relationship with my cleaner and uh she said she walked in there and she was like seven months pregnant at the time and still kind of feeling sick and she was like it smells like smoking here and i'm about ready to throw up and i was like okay well you just step outside do whatever you need to do and uh i said take any pictures of anything that you can find inside there and so there was this lady was obviously unintelligent she left an ashtray sitting right there with roaches and cigarette butts on the coffee table inside the house and there's ashes on the table and so i had i said take pictures of everything exactly where it is and then uh send it to me and so then i told her i said can you send me an official invoice from your company just a separate one not counting the cleaning fee for 500 bucks that says smoke remediation because she had to you know go in there wipe down stuff a little bit more whatever and uh she said yeah sure and she wasn't going to charge me that she was just going to charge me my regular fee but i was like well let's you know see what we can do with airbnb to see if we can get something covered for her extra time and so i sent it into airbnb with the pictures of the ashtray with the uh, pictures of the ashes on the coffee table and within i think it was within two hours i had a 500 uh renew or a um reimbursement for air cover from uh the lady smoking my unit i was i was floored that i actually got you know the money back that quickly when you have that kind of evidence i mean that's pretty black and white evidence i can understand why airbnb would be so quick to issue a a refund or um, a reimbursement. I had a similar situation late last year, actually right at Christmas, we had some guests who, we have a wood burning fireplace and mm. you know we give instructions on how to start a fire, how to make sure the damper is open so that you create a proper draft and the smoke doesn't fill the re- room. But these individuals just didn't follow the instructions and they filled the entire house with smoke. And I thought it was not a big deal because the cleaner didn't mention anything. She said, oh, it's a little smoky, but I aired it out and cleaned it and everything was good. Mm. And we've since learned that, you know, the following guest was in such, was complaining so much. We had to buy a heap of filter and we had to refund them a portion of it. And I ended up having somebody else come in to remediate the whole place. And it cost me 950 bucks. Right. Oh and he didn't use ozone. He used some other, I guess, non-toxic, non, you know, hazardous substance to really yeah. kind of clean it all out. And unfortunately I didn't have some, you know, you know, I didn't have the hard smoking evidence. gun to really, Hey, I didn't have hard evidence. I, I took a picture of the fireplace and the ashes in there. I'm like, it's, what do you want me to send? So fortunately Airbnb was still able to reimburse me for that, but they didn't reimburse me for the lost income from a booking I had to cancel or the, um, the refund I had to grant to this one guest or, I'll, you know, or the clothes that it was damaged that, um, the, the guest claimed. So like, I got most of it refunded, but not all of it. So I think Airbnb is pretty fair, but yeah. Yeah, that, that was something that, that surprised one. me. You know, you hear people like horror stories that, well, I, I know specifically of horror stories talking to Airbnb customer support and stuff like that. It can be a total nightmare. But um, the the that was my first ever air cover claim and it, it went very, very smooth. So I was, I was very happy with it. Um, mm-hmm. so bring us back a little bit further. So, um, your portfolio, yeah. you, you purchased your first, uh, short-term rental. Tell us where it's at, what kind of property it is. Yeah. So it's a four bed, two bed. Um, we call it a cottage. It's in Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. It's about an hour West of Washington, DC. And we provide, you know, a hot tub, a pool table. It's got really cool cabin feel. And the whole reason we ended up landing on that property was 
we initially tried to find something in Gatlinburg, but this was during the gold rush in the Smokies. And it was just so hard to find anything. We put multiple offers, 50,000 over asking. Finally, after giving up, we actually went over to the other side of the mountains into Asheville. And we were very close to buying a property about 40 minutes west in Maggie Valley. And the reason that fell through was it had a lot of water damage. So we pulled out of that, that property. We just continued to look for a few weeks up along the Appalachia you know, area until another investor pointed out this property here in Harbors Ferry and was like, hey, this looks like a promising unit. And we ran the numbers. Everything looked good. And it's basically been, um, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun setting it up. It took me and my wife about, well, me and her a week to set up. And then I came back another month later to finish setting everything up. So it was overall about three weeks of total, you know, man hours, but we got the property launched back in May and it's been just, it's been really, really good. I mean, we've had our ups and downs. I mean, having a hot tub is a huge challenge. So, you know, bear that in mind. Like it's just, it's constantly dirty. It's constantly needing to be attended to um, while it does. What's that? The break at all. It hasn't broken. Um, although I'll, I'll share a funny story about that very happened very recently. Uh, but we do have one of the challenges is we're on a well, our water, our water source is on a well and it doesn't provide enough to refill the tub. So there's times when we've had to refill the tub just for general cleanliness. We try and do it as often as we can, at least quarterly. And the, we have to pay somebody $300 to come and refill the water. So I have to have our cleaners drain it, clean the whole thing, kill all the algae. I remember all summer long, we were just every, between every single guest, it was green and it was just like constantly cleaning it. And it took us a long time to finally dial in our systems where we can get it to be really, really nice. And so, you know, I was, I was spending like every single month, $300 getting this new water replaced and having to like put in all sorts of chemicals to like make it look nice until finally it was, you know, ready for, for guests. So that's been the, one of the biggest challenges. Now with the winter time, the, uh, the wood burning fireplace has been another challenge. But other than that, like the rest of the unit has been pretty, pretty good. And we are on track. Actually, we are beating our projections in terms of top line revenue. Um, so in terms of top line revenue, it's total home run. However, on the expenses side, because of the many projects we've had to do to mitigate dirt getting into the hot tub, we had to install a pretty expensive water filtration unit. Um, what was the other stuff, you know, just a bunch of other CapEx that we had to put into the property. Our first year expenses were pretty high. And so it wasn't like, like, you know, I mean, it's not, it's nothing I would brag about yet, but you know, once we see our tax return from all the depreciation that we did and then, you know, going forward, now that we have so many five-star reviews, it's going to be great. So I'm really looking forward to year two. Nice. Um, but to answer your question, Yoni, with the hot tub breaking, um, we, so we recently had a guest who came and stayed and, uh, you know, everything's been fine. We've never really had any issues with the hot tub other than being clean or cleanliness issues. And this particular guest says, oh, they were in the hot tub for 20, maybe 40 minutes. And then all of a sudden the jet started spraying water all over the place. And I know I had checked the water levels prior and the water was at a normal level. Somehow the water got displaced. Sorry, I, was, I, I, now, I was laughing on mute. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, and so the jets were just spraying water everywhere and got them soaked. So it got them quite upset. And then they come to me asking for a refund. And I'm just like, well, but there's nothing that happened with the tub. Like, I don't understand. Like, you guys must have displaced the water. I don't see how I need to, like, reimburse <laughs> you for that. 
in fact, I have to pay $300 now to have somebody come and refill it. And so I should be charging you really in, in that in situation. But in any case, um, they ended up not being happy. I got my first three-star review from this, these individuals, despite, you know, having a 4.91 average. So we've been doing really, really well. We just get these once in a while, we get something like that happening. They just want to take us down, man. They don't know how hard it is to get these good reviews. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Well, so she was, she's also an Airbnb host. So she was just oh, being, geez. I think, hypercritical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. So next steps for you, you said you're still, you're kind of looking around the Asheville area, kind of looking Colorado, like where, where are you trying to focus in on? What are you, what are you really, really thinking that's going to be the next step? Um, so that's one of my to-do lists this week, but it really is to dive deep into, um, some of the markets I want to look into, um, preferably, you know, I, I want to buy a market, another, um, mountain property that makes sense for us, but, you know, because of the popularity of Colorado and some areas of Wyoming, it's been really hard to make the numbers work in those markets, but I'd love to have a place in those mountainous regions. Um, Asheville is another popular area, so we may end up going that, that route as well. But I'm I'm really not, you know, saying no to any other opportunities right now. I'm kind of putting my feelers out, looking at what other host campers are doing and seeing what other opportunities are out there. For example, I was looking at a property today in Milwaukee. Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, it could be pretty good, but once again, like my real big focus, I don't want to buy a property as a turnkey buy and hold because then you're sinking your capital into something that you can't really pull out for, for, for months, if not years. And so I'd really like to be more efficient with my capital and buy something that can do, you know, you know, value add and then either refinance or take a HELOC against that capital. So I can then continue to leverage the equity that I'm building. So in that, in that regard, um, just because comps are a lot easier, I, I am also focusing on more like suburban markets and areas where there is, I think, still a lot of growth for or opportunity for maybe not short-term rentals, but like a hybrid short-term, mid-term rental type of situation. And so I'm looking here in Houston, I'm looking here north in Dallas, where I can really be focused on, you know, actually being close to those properties since with construction, you definitely don't want to necessarily be doing that from a distance. Although I guess some people, you you know, you can definitely do it, but for the first few, I'd like to be more hands-on at least. Yeah. So something that you're, you're uh, talking about the way that you're describing this is the, the burster, if you will. And I think Rob yeah. coined that term. And so a burster for people that are listening that may not be familiar with it, it's to uh, buy, renovate, uh, rent, kind of because you're not you know putting it into rent you know in the typical sense and then um refinance and then turn it into a short-term rental or turn it into a short-term rental and then refinance and so uh the idea behind that as jim is alluding to you can buy something that looks a little bit rough maybe in Asheville. you know you got some old dumpy cabin that grandma and grandpa haven't touched for 30 years and then you buy it you can maybe uh add on a little bit to you know add some square footage or you can just do a full renovation of it to get it up to current market value and then you can hopefully if you're you know below that 75% loan to value, or it may be 80%, depending on your, uh, your, uh, banking, you can then refinance do a cash out refinance and hopefully pull all of that capital back out to then snowball it into further projects. So that's just kind of a little trick of the trade that people do to, uh, keep their capital rolling instead of, like you said, buying a turnkey property, putting 20% down on that turnkey property. And then you're losing that capital quote unquote, losing that capital. You're not able to use it for until you, you know, regain it from, you know, the income from properties. I want to, um, I want, to plug, I want to plug an idea here. Sure. Jim, this is an idea for you since we're, uh, if this is, th- this podcast is like 
your successful friends having a beer at the bar. I have an idea for my friend uh, while having a beer at the bar. There's a host camper okay. that Rob brought on stage. I believe her name was S, and I could be screwing this up. I believe she bought a motel in Arizona. Mm-hmm. The yep. motel in Airbnb. Tombstone. Just, yep. just, I'm just plugging that because that was the most impressive thing outside of building A-frames ground up that I've heard of in a long time. Yeah. No, yeah, and, and you know, cool there's, one. there are some really exciting things to do. I mean, eventually I would love to do a glamping unit. I want to get an A-frame. Um, you know, eventually I'd love to buy a boutique hotel. I mean, I'm already, I'll tell you right now, I'm already spread thin. I'm, I'm, I'm focused on too many markets, on too many strategies. And I'm like, I really got to focus in on one thing. I mean, that's if, if your audience can learn one thing is like, focus on one thing because don't do what I'm doing, which is spreading yourself too thin. I'm like trying to like, go, okay, which ones do I really want to focus on? Which ones are noise to me right now? So that's what yeah. I'm right now in the process of doing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I I've uh, been doing the same thing. So we're, uh, we're not practicing what we're preaching. I've driven all, all over the United States the last eight months and trying to figure out where we want to do invest. And I still don't know where I want to invest, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be Asheville, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. But yeah, that's definitely, there's uh, as uh, a lot of people say, it's better to go, um, you know, an inch wide and a mile deep than a mile wide and an inch deep to be able to actually like really hone in on a market know your stuff about that market so that you can make a good informed decision about it. And I I'm pretty firm in that, you know, really any market has something that's going to be able to make money if you just need to figure it out. And so if you pick a market that's already a vacation market, like the Asheville's or Gatlinburg's or something like that, you should be able to find something that will at least, you know, be cash flow positive. Will it make you a ton of money, especially the Gatlinburg market? Cause that's still crazy prices, you know, going on out there. Um, but I think mm-hmm. they've been coming down a little bit, but it's very important to try and pick something, hone down your skills and figure out exactly where you want to go with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing too is, I mean, you just want to focus on fundamentals in any market, you're going to find pro- properties that have a specific amenity that people want and desire. And so if you look at what, you know, I mean, like what does Tony Robbins say? It's, you know, success leaves clues. So mm-hmm. get a, you know, membership to air DNA look at your market and look at what are the top producing properties and try and emulate those as best as you can. I mean, you may not be able to, you know, if there's a tree house that's, you know, raking in 200, $300,000 a year, that might be a little more far reaching than what is capable right now. But there are properties that are standard single family homes that are doing, you know, well enough that they can make substantial income for you. Right. And then once you get to a point where you're now able to take bigger risks and bigger and, you know, you know, basically focus on those really, really cool, unique properties. Then you really start to accelerate from there. And I'm still just in those early stages of finding solid properties that will do well, but aren't necessarily going to be the top, you know, 1% of a market. If you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I've been uh, trying to, you know, figure that out a little bit too, like how I want to move forward with it, because I, uh, you know, the, you, you always look at the shiny object, the home run, which is the, you know, like you said, the tree house that's producing 200 grand a year or something, but then it's like, okay, how does the financing work with that? How does, you know, all of this stuff work to where, uh, you know, that's something that maybe is a little bit more of a, you know, in the big boy stage and you don't want to put all that money into that. And then you end up, you know, doing poorly with it from the get go, because you don't have the fundamentals of just hosting down. And so I want to, want to give you guys a shameless plug because the reason that all three of us are here together is because of host camp. And so can yep. you talk about host camp a little bit for us? Because uh, I didn't even mention in your intro that Jim is the COO of host camp and uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he's so, the man so that made it all happen. 
we want to say that Jim changed our life and this podcast, this business. Literally <laughs> you guys are too kind. <laughs> does not happen with, with Jim opening the gate. So just want to give you your flowers for the public. Yeah, so give a, give yeah, a shameless I, for host camp and let, let everybody I'm know what's going on. More than happy to help you guys out with this awesome business that you guys are starting and the podcast. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, yeah, so host camp is really, it's the number one short-term rental investing coaching program that is taught by the number one YouTuber on short-term rentals uh, known as Raw Built. Um, and he essentially built the company based on his whole philosophy of finding unique properties and really providing a unique experience. And so his followers um, essentially try and do that, right? We stand out, we target the top 10% of any market we go into by having unique design, unique amenities, and really mastering how to be a good host. And the the overall business has grown to a point where, you know, Rob had has asked me to kind of jump in to help manage a lot of the back end stuff. So I'm kind of in the background, you know, managing our support, making sure that our the coaching schedule is is managed, that we're getting content out to our members, uh, that we're continuously providing value and improving the overall program. Because the long-term vision is that this is going to be the number one resource for anyone who wants to invest in short-term rentals. So whether you want to come in and just get a free resource on how to you know, analyze a property, um, or if you want to learn about a particular market and different regulations or where are the hot markets or where are different travel demands going, like really we want to be kind of like, you know, the number one hub for that kind of information. And then of course we will, you know, be running as a business with our coaching, our content and other resources that we provide to investors. Yeah. So uh, one of the uh, best things, in my opinion, about host camp that we have is we have people like us three that are inside our private Facebook group. And along with what, 1600 other people now, John or Jim, what are we at right now? Um, yeah, sounds about right. About 1600. Somewhere, somewhere in that neighborhood. So you got 1600 yeah. other people that are a bunch of short term rental junkies that all kind of have the same idea and the vision that Rob does to where we mm-hmm. want to do the tree houses. We want to do the big, unique, cool properties that crush it. And so yeah. whenever you're surrounded by a community of people like that, it definitely helps kind of fire you up and move you forward. And then uh, some, uh, the second thing that really, really um, I loved about Host Camp was that with Rob's reach that he has, he's able to uh, kind of partner up with some of these big companies. And we were able to get um, an AirDNA subscription. Since we were already in the, the Host Camp program, we were able to get the AirDNA subscription for a ridiculous price. Am I allowed to say the price, Jim? No. Okay. So we were able to get it for a ridiculous price and it was fantastic. So if you want to know how to get in there and be able to um, get some of these really good deals, set up a call with host camp because it was awesome. Um, So go ahead. I'd say, I'd say if you have mild interest in Airbnb and maybe your friends at home don't, don't have the same passion as you and look at you a little bit funny or family members question, question sort of these curiosities you have if you join it you find your tribe so i found my tribe yeah and you know obviously david and i now have linked up as we're members of the same tribe and jim shepherds that tribe so everybody listening that is something that you can you can go so fast you can go so much faster with your own tribe i guess that's what i'm saying so jim if you want to talk about yeah no absolutely yeah so i mean Anytime you're trying to accomplish anything, right? I mean, we're social 
you know, we're social beings, right? And so you're, anytime you're trying to go at things alone, it's very easy to get in over your head, overwhelmed, uh, talk yourself out of it. I mean, how many times do you go to the gym workout and it's really hard to stick with a routine? I mean, willpower only takes you so far. There's very few people who are able to to really uh, stick to a gym, you know, fitness routine without any sort of community. Well, same thing goes with investing. You're going to deal with ups and downs every single day. It's hard work. You got to be looking at deals every single day, calling uh, agents, putting out offers, and it can get tiring. It can get really, you know, struggling. It can be a struggle. And a lot of times too, you can get into it and, you know, what do you, what do you call it? Analysis paralysis, which has always been my biggest thing. And so having a community where you can have somebody give you permission to go forward or to help reassure you that your decisions are the right decisions. That's going to really help anyone who wants to succeed. Who's been stuck just watching YouTube videos, getting the education, who's just not taking action, be surrounding yourself with a community of people who are action takers is really what's going to help anyone succeed. And so that's really what we try and foster at Housecam. How many, I want to say when I joined, I don't know when David joined, David, you'll have to chime in. But when I joined, there was about 1,100-ish members in the Facebook group. And now, I don't even know. I, I think you guys have gone beyond 13. I, what's the number? Is it more than I think 13? it's like 16-ish, somewhere in that neighborhood. Well, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll actually double-check it really quick. Give me a second. I'll tell you exactly how many. But yeah, one of the one of the most fun things while you're finding that one of the most fun uh, things that I've done because we my wife and I've been traveling around for like the last eight months and every new city that we go to we try and find a host camper that's there and go hang out with them like literally last night um, I hung out with um, Josh I can't think of his last name off the top of my head uh, it's uh, Regina and Josh he's always posting in there he's from Asheville you know and so met up with him last night at a brewery and we just talked shop and talked host camp and talked uh, you know short term rentals and stuff so that's yeah the community has been an absolutely uh, integral part for me uh with being able to like communicate mm -hmm. with other people and like you said it helps you get over that hump of analysis paralysis because if you're looking to buy a place in orlando but you don't know anybody in orlando that's trying to or that that is doing what you're trying to do the odds of you actually pulling the trigger are going to be super low because you're just you, you can like you said you can only watch youtube videos for so long you can only read books for so long and so being able to talk to somebody is it, it makes a huge difference i'm i'm building right. I'm building an A-frame ground up because of the lessons I learned from host campers um, from so specifically Janice Stitzer. So like I, I got, I, I was able to get the cojones to do it because of the community. Absolutely. There you go. See, and there you go. That's exactly a perfect example. Now you're learning from somebody who has already done what you want to do. And whenever you have questions or you struggle, you come up into a, an obstacle that you don't know how to overcome you have 1600 people. I counted, I, I just checked it. It's 1629 members as of today who will be able to help you or, you know, help you identify a market, help you learn more about your market or whatever that is that you need help with. Well, and it's so funny. Like uh, oh. there can be like analysis paralysis is such a, a such a, a, a sneaky thing because it can be something so simple and so stupid that prevents you from moving forward for weeks, you know, like, Oh, I don't have a good um, realtor or a good um, a general contractor that could be doing X, Y, Z in this market. And then you're just like, kind of like floating around, not really doing it because you know that you should be doing it. But then if you could just go into host camp and you can type in Asheville into the search bar and you're like, Oh, these three people invest in Asheville, send a message to all three of them and say, Hey, do you know a good general contractor? And you just solved your problem. It, it, it makes such a huge difference. Yep. And then we've got a bunch of coaches all in, 
you know, different strategies that we implement, right? So a lot of people come to host camp wanting to do glamping, right? And so we have, um, you know, obviously we have Rob's content on that, but then we also have an in-house coach who teaches all about how she's been able to grow up to over 200,000 in her first year in revenue with her glamping units, right? We have, as you mentioned, Janice, who teaches new construction. We have people talking about using other people's money or how to get funding, how to, um, you know, I, I do a monthly call on how, how you run the numbers. How do you comp a call? I just was on the phone with another host camper an hour or so ago going over a burst or deal that he had, which was essentially like, you know, he was like, okay, if I change these numbers and I get change this rate, like what does my return look like? And it was really cool. Cause he actually was like only $11,000 in the deal at the end of the day. I was like, do you got 172% cash on cash return? So, I mean, I think this is a great deal assuming these metrics are correct. Yeah. All right. And so it's, and that's, that's really kind of like the fun part about this job. That's fantastic. Love it. Love it. And yeah, you get, you get a, um, hopefully get people. Cause I mean, really a lot of people are only like one killer short-term rental away from at least being able to transition out of their job into a job that maybe makes them half the amount of money, but they enjoy twice as much. And then it gives them more freedom to then pursue more short-term rentals or anything like that. Because I mean, short-term rentals, they can be such a, a huge money driver that uh, like, like you were saying with you hope uh, trying to replace the wife's income. I mean, you get, you know, one short-term rental that's just crushing it and you can, you can replace an income pretty darn quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so um, I think Yoni in his studio, he needs to be winding down here shortly. So I think we're going to move into some of our closing questions here. Um, so one of my right. uh, one of my first questions that I like to ask people is uh, who's an expert? Well, I, I think I might know the answer to this, but maybe not. Who's an expert in your niche or industry that you've looked up to and has had a big impact on you? I mean... I can't, how, how, how can I not say Rob Abasola? <laughs> I was going to say this may, your job may depend on this, Jim. <laughs> well, let's, let's hope he doesn't watch this, this podcast. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay. Yoni, you want to hit the next one? Yeah. So first of all, we got you the, the well at studio because um, we love you very much. And also <laughs> um, I would say, we talked about crushing analysis paralysis, which stuck out to me. I think a lot of people in the audience are going to really appreciate that you covered that and related to them with that because we all have that in, inside of us and we just need to release it. But we all get into that study mode. So is there a book, one book that comes to your head when you think about uh, real estate, short-term rentals, even long-term rentals where you're like that one and don't say rich dad, poor dad, not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a good question. Man, what book have I it's been a while since I've read a book. I've just been so busy, but you've been reading um, baby I books lately. Yeah. <laughs> I read a very intriguing book about a yellow dog who wanted to go to sleep. Um, who wouldn't, who wouldn't go to sleep. No, anyway. Um, no. So, okay. I read all, I read through all the books um, from the bigger pockets. So I read like um, the Burr strategy from David Green. I read on long distance investing, long distance investing. Um, you know, and I think that one's a really good one too, because that helps also build a community, right? You're building your team of your, your realtor, your, um, your contractor, your property manager. And even that is a small community that will help give you the reassurance to move forward, right? If you're not sure that a property will pencil out, well, you can talk to an agent, you can, you can talk to your, your, your contractor, and they'll all give you their opinions on 
helping you determine if it's, if it's the right move or not. Um, so, I mean, that one was really helpful for crushing analysis paralysis. I'd definitely say that one's a good one. Um, and then right now I, I bought it, but I haven't had a chance to fully read it, but it's the 30 day stay another mm. bigger pockets book. Um, I think it's by uh, Sarah Weaver and Ziana um, McIntyre and Sarah Weaver. Yeah. It's yeah, fantastic. Yep. Is it a good book? Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's on my to read list. Yeah, it's it's very good. Like there was a, a handful of nuggets that I picked up out of there that I hadn't thought of before, and I was like, okay, these these girls definitely know what they're doing. It was a very well written book, and anybody that has any interest in medium term rentals, you could crush that book in a weekend, no problem. It's it's short, sweet, to the point. It's really good. Awesome, very cool. Uh, okay, next one. Um, do you have any sort of a daily habit that you think has helped you kind of excel to the level that you're at? I know that you, you know, recently had a, a little one. So your daily habits are probably just trying to catch a cat nap. But, uh, <laughs> but whenever yeah, you started out in your uh, investing career, do you have any sort of things that you've uh, kind of done that you think have helped you excel? Um, so I really try and make a daily habit of going for a walk without my phone or any sort of like any content, whatever, because that just helps me a relax and just rewind, um, you know, step away from everything, but also it allows my mind to wander. And sometimes that's where the creative process is most effective and I can kind of come up with ideas. Um, I, yeah, I have not been able to go for nearly as many walks as I would like just because um, the newborn is, he, he requires a lot of attention. And another daily habit that I'm trying to implement where I was implementing up until he was born was doing a daily cold plunge, right? Mm. I'd fill up a bathtub full of cold ice water that would essentially, you know, I'd soak in it for about five to eight minutes. And there's a numerous number of health studies. I know it's, it's probably, it's trending right now on Instagram, but it's a lot of health studies promote this because of the reduced anxiety, improved blood and cardiovascular health. And overall improvement to, um, you know, uh, you know, improvement in your, um, you know, response to inflammation. So anyway, nice. so yeah, my, yeah putting those my, are probably the my, two I'd say. Yeah. Putting my healthcare hat on, you know, being a former NP, well, still technically an NP, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, cold plunges, it's something that I'm going to get into once we get back to Fort Wayne. But two of the biggest things I think with that is, well, for one mindset thing, like Joe Rogan always talks about it. Like he was like, I hate that damn thing and I never want to get in it, but it's always just, it's a small win first thing in the day that, you know, you're already starting off with a win, but health benefit wise, um, one of the best things I ever heard was from a, another practitioner. They were saying that it's basically like a, uh, a fitness exercise for your cardiovascular vascular system because your your uh, vessels they have smooth muscle that are surrounding them to help them contract and expand and so whenever you hop into that cold plunge it squeezes them tight because you're trying to you know force all that blood flow to your core and so it's actually a really good workout if you will for your cardiovascular system and just just uh mm -hmm. it, it has numerous numerous health benefits i agree um yeah and it is and i'll just add to it like it, you really do feel like almost like a mental high i did cryotherapy once where they, they bathe you in the liquid nitrogen and oh that gosh. like had the most of, have you, Oh my gosh, if you haven't done that, definitely recommend it. It's expensive. So I wouldn't recommend making a habit of it, but it is something I highly recommend because you've had this euphoria for an entire day after. 
Interesting. And, and uh, whenever you were talking about the daily walk thing, I try and do that as well. We got two golden retrievers. I try and get them out for walks, but uh, Brandon Turner always talks about how once a week he does um, a, uh, like a 90 minute massage. He has a masseuse that comes to his house, him and his wife both get a 90 minute massage. And he says that is by far and away the, he said, I make, he said, I forget what he said, like my ROI on the money that I spend on those massages, like a thousand percent, because he said, I have my best ideas. Then I have so much mental clarity at that time, because I don't have a phone in front of me. No, I have a screen, not listening to anything. And so there's something really important about like clearing your head, finding time to just, you know, quiet everything down so that you can actually think about things. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's Are awesome. So is that, is this our last question? Uh, well, one more after that, where we can find more about him. Um, okay. Quick, quick fire round question. Um, what's a, what's the current challenge in your business? And how can listeners help you? Yes. Um, well, okay. Which business are we talking about? I mean, host camp or in a, in my own personal investment, whatever, whatever pops. We can do both. Yeah. Honestly, like it's just managing. I'm really at this point where I'm having to manage a lot of the administrative tasks. So I'm looking right now for some type of virtual assistant. That's probably the biggest challenge is just hiring that person. But, um, in terms of like actual, like, what am I then trying to accomplish with that? So, um, we're really just trying to, with HostCamp, we're trying to become more efficient with how we are able to deliver content. There's way too much of a, you know, just from idea to implementation, there's just too much of a slowdown. So we're trying to really smooth that whole process out. And then as far as my real estate investing goes, um, it's really just kind of picking out that market, right? It's, mm-hmm. and I'm going through a lot of the analytics um, that you, that I, I learned from a guy that you, a new friend that you introduced me to actually, David, John Bianchi. Good John, yeah. And I'm going through his process of analyzing all these different markets so that I'm able to then really solidify what exactly I want to do. Because as I said earlier, I'm too spread thin right now. Like, okay, well, do I want to go into this market? Do I want to go into this market? Do I want to do this? I'm like, no, I need to pick one thing to focus on. And maybe that is just buying a property in Nashville. And maybe that's exactly what I should be doing. But I'm too much of a numbers and engineering mind I need to have a logical reason why I I don't do well with just picking if that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, um, I guess to answer your question, really uh, pick, you know, solidifying and just finalizing the market that I want to stick um, with for at least, you know, the next year or so for 2023. That nice. 30, nice. You, should know, you should know that 30% of decision makers are analytical. So there's a, there's a, and, and a lot of those people are very smart. So for the 30% of people, that are that think that have the similar mind to you this is gonna be very helpful for them to push them so you know that that's really good what you're saying yeah you need to be a, yeah. a little dumber like me and just you know jump head first and hope that it works out right <laughs> yeah yeah so i do I, I do need a little bit more of that that kind of mentality yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then shameless plug talking about John Bianchi. We just recently did a podcast with him. So if everybody wants to go back and listen to the uh, Airbnb data guy, he's fantastic with underwriting properties and how you can look into markets and figure out where you want to go. So go back and listen to that one. It was fantastic. So our last question of the day, Jim, is how can people find out more about you and how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way? Um, So definitely, you know, I'm very involved at HostCamp, so you you're interested, you're curious more about HostCamp specifically, Jim at HostCamp.com. Otherwise, you just follow me, uh, Jim underscore Piety at uh, on Instagram. So that's that's my handle. Um, I recently 
made it because I had an imposter who tried to replicate my account. But yeah, Jim underscore Piety on Instagram is probably the best thing way to get in touch with me. Yeah, I took a screenshot of it because I was like, "Oh, Jim restarted following me. That seems uh, that seems odd." And then I I screenshot yeah. it and sent it to you, and I figured <laughs> I figured people already hit you up about it. But I was like, "Jim, you officially made it. You've got imposters." I've, exactly, <laughs> I've I've made it. Don't mess with our friend Jim. We will come find you. We will. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, this has awesome. been fantastic. This has been fun, Jim. Anything else that you want to get out to the listeners before we get you out of here? No, I appreciate you guys bringing me on. I would love to come on again when I have a much larger portfolio that we can uh, look back on this and be like, he figured it out. He, he, he picked really his market. He, I think. I think. I think. Picked his market. I think West Virginia is very cool. I, I think. I think that's super cool. So I, that's that's no that's no slouch. You know. Agreed. And so, if anybody's got a, a killer market, send it over to Jim. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I, Well, this has been another episode of the Fetch It Podcast. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you later.